Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 47, Jack Hermanson versus Sean Strickland, and Shaq, it's going down. This Saturday night, live at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. I mean, dude, title implications are on the line. I mean, it's interesting because Sean Strickland, he's always been a solid fighter. I mean, at, at 170, he was doing his thing. But ever since he moved out to 85s, now he's in the rankings. Now it's back-to-back main events. It's pretty evident that this is the right weight class for him. And Jack Hermanson, the guy that's been paying his dues for years, and you already know what he brings to the table. In his words, the best ground and pound in the UFC. This guy gets on top of you. You're in a world of hurt, but not too many people have a lot of success holding down Strickland. This should be one hell of a main event battle in the middleweight division, Shaq. Yeah, I mean, Strickland's been one of the most talked about guys in the sport for a little bit here now. I mean, he's been creating a lot of controversy. He's been he's been talking a lot. He's been, you know, expressing himself uh, with no filter these days. And 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 he's backing it up in the cage, too, uh, ever since he moved back up to middleweight. Um, I mean, he's been doing his thing. His last two, very impressive. I mean, you go in 30-27 Jocko, you know, wipe him out on the cards. And then what he did to Uriah Hall, I mean, that, that was very impressive. That was a statement. So Strickland's doing his thing. We know Jack's one of the tough guys in the division. Already fought guys like Vittori and Jacare and Kelvin Gastelum. So it's going to be a good fight, man. Um, I know Jack wants to... Uh, get on a uh, get on a streak and put his name into the title mix and i think if strickland wins this fight man he'll be like what 18 and 0 at middleweight i mean you can make a case uh you know put him in one of these fights like paulo costa or something yeah and, and, and i mean to your credit i think that a lot of people actually fail to realize that when strickland came into the ufc he actually debuted as a middleweight and his first two fights were at middleweight so this dude was actually 15 and 0 at middleweight coming into the uh his santiago ponzinibbio fight which was his uh welterweight debut so it's you know people saying that these last few fighters you know the only sample size we have of him at middleweight that's actually false this guy went 15 and 0 coming into the ufc and with jack hermanson i mean he's always had the skills but now he's turned things around in the mental side of things and as a result i mean top five and on planet earth and i know that he still wants that title shot i know he feels like if he gets on top of israel adesanya that he could finish the fight like he feels like he's got the style to beat him so this fight is gonna let us know a hell of a lot and then in the co-main event it's interesting because um a lot of people were actually surprised by this being the co-main event but I like it a lot, stylistically speaking. I, um, I hear the narrative that, oh, it's because it's Nick Maximoff, who's uh, the Diaz brothers' boy that's here. But I'm not convinced that's why. I mean, I think these, these are two bright prospects. Uh, Puna Soriano, obviously, we've called him Hawaiian Vitor in the past. He's got uh, an all-American wrestling background, so it's going to be interesting to see if Nick can uh, implement his heavy wrestling attack uh, and he's actually more of a jujitsu guy but he's relentless with the takedowns maximov seven and no the thing i respect about him on contender series he weighed in 209 uh and no pun intended yeah. uh, and he fought a dude like 50 pounds heavier than him and and yeah so both these guys got my respect i can't wait for that and the the people's main event shavkat rachmana <laughs> versus carlston harris i mean come on dude so uh, I, I can't wait to break down this whole car start to finish. And without further ado, let's get right down to business because first up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Malcolm Gordon. He's 13 and five. He's taking on Denny's Bondar, who's 16 and three. And currently they got, it just depends where you look. The best line I see on Bondar is minus 250. And 
with Malcolm Gordon, I see everywhere from plus 195 to plus 240. So basically, man, I have not been high on Malcolm Gordon at all. Look, I respect the fact that he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and I also respect the fact that he's actually won a fight in the UFC. So, you know, I'll, I'll do respect, but there's so many things about his game that I'm questioning, whether it's the chin, whether it's even even the mental side of things. Um, I, I feel like when he's the bully, when he's on top of people, that's when he does his best. It's just in the compromising spots. Like, you know, when you put when you take Brandon Roy Valls back, I mean, it's not a guarantee the fight's going to be over, but it is a guarantee there's going to be scramble after scramble. Whereas if you put Malcolm Gordon in that one bad spot, that's where I think the fight's going to end. And even though I, I don't consider Denny's Bondar to, you know, be the next top 10 guy or anything like that, I don't think you have to be the next top 10 guy to beat Malcolm Gordon in a fight. And the thing I like about Bondar is even though you can make some criticism about the level of competition he fought on the regional scene, but the skills I see and the progression I see is what I like. I mean, when this guy gets on top of you, he's got devastating ground and pound. He goes forward the entire time. He's a dog. And I think that should be enough to carry him to possibly a finish here against Malcolm Gordon. So, yeah, give me uh, Denny's Bonder to come out here and win his UFC debut and most likely get a finish. Yeah, man. Um, like I, I think Denny's Bonder is, you know, solid, well-rounded. Um Malcolm Gordon, I, I will say that was definitely, I mean, obviously that was a big uh, step up from the from the uh, two other performances, just in performance wise. I mean, the first two, he just that was that was bad. And then he came back and then he, he actually showed some heart. I mean, he got hit with some shots. He was in the he was boxing in the pocket with Figueredo, man. Um, he was aggressive. I mean, he um, that was a, that was a good like he's got some good physical attributes. He's got good takedowns. He's strong, you know, Um I'm interested to see how he how he bounces off that. Is this the Malcolm Gordon that we're gonna be uh, seeing now in comparison to the first two fights? Because the first two fights, I mean, uh, is some definitely mentally was going on there when he fought the uh, Swedish guy um, Albazi. I mean, that was like a quit job, and then Sumajari as well. So uh, Dennis Bonder, like, I think he he's tough. I think he's well rounded, but like you said, man, that level of competition, I felt like he was fighting a lot of pipsqueaks out there, and. Uh, and uh, the Ukraine, and, and and I feel like um, Malcolm Gordon might have fought better competition. Malcolm Gordon might have momentum right now. Not saying that Denny's Bonner can't come in here and take it, but I do think there's possible like some good things going for Malcolm Gordon. The lines very wide. This is the guy's UFC debut. We've seen many UFC debuts go um, bad in the past for a lot of these guys, so I wouldn't be shocked if we 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 seen an upset here. But you know, I do think Denny's Bonder, like you said, like you mentioned, yeah, Malcolm Gordon. You don't know what we're gonna get. Like he might he might fold up, but that last performance I think was a step in the right direction. But I'll take Bond Bondy's. Denny's Bonder, but I'm gonna say by like close, close decision. Like I think you're gonna have to sweat this out if if you bet Bonder. Now next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Jason Witt. He's 19 and seven. He's taking on Phil Rowe, who was eight and three. And currently they got Phil Rowe. Just depends where you look. I see. I see that minus 115 being the best price here so far. You can get up to plus 135 on Jason Witt. It just really depends where you look. Um, so, I mean, dude, listen, we, we, we know exactly the dynamic of this matchup. Jason Witt, he's a relentless wrestler. He's been in there with a lot of tough guys. He trains under James Krause. And if he's conscious, he's going to be trying to win the fight. He's gritty. He's a grizzled vet. I mean, at least I know that Jason Witt is going to try to fight 
uh, is trying to is going to is going to try to win the fight while he is conscious. The issue with this fight is not only is there a ten inch reach disadvantage here. What that means right away is he better close the distance quick, or it be on the ankles. You know, in, in the two losses Jason Witt had in the UFC, he got knocked down under a minute both times. And I would not be surprised if this was a similar uh, thing here because when Phil Rowe, here's the thing with Phil Rowe, it's like for some reason, the first round of these fights, I don't know if he's just trying to find his range, if he's trying to ease into it, if he wants to see what his opponent brings to the table. But when Phil Rowe actually lets his hands go, like, dude, like it's actually scary, man. Um, some of those hands he hits people that straight right with that with the 10 inch reach advantage. I mean, like, dude, with those long arms, I mean, when you're six foot three with an 80 inch reach at welterweight, you're already going to have this massive advantage. So these guys are just going to want to come out here and take him down. But Phil can grapple, too. I've seen him hit sweeps in MMA fights before. But I think the bottom line is when they get back up to the feet and Phil finds his range, I, I think it's going to be a big right hand down the pipe. I mean, when he hit Orion Kose with that first big right hand, I mean, it's like Orion's. Uh, Orion was in, in the stars, man. It's like it's like it's like his <laughs> his life flashed before his eyes, man. It, it was crazy. And then those knees are just vicious. Like I, I think there's so much potential for this guy, Phil Rowe. Um, it's just about coming out here, paying your dues and putting it together. And I, I think he's gonna touch Jason Witt's chin. I mean, Jason Witt's been knocked out, I think, officially five times, but if you actually dig deeper into it, it's six times because he fought Isaac Valley Flag. Isaac Valley Flag got DQ'd with an illegal knee, but I mean he still knocked him out. So they, you know, he didn't do any favors to the chin of Witt. So I think Phil Rowe's gonna come out here and knock out Jason Witt. Uh, Dakota Tucker knocked him out. Uh, Dakota choked him out. out. Might have hurt him on the way too. Yeah, and and uh, so a lot of people were concerned that you know Phil Rowe he's supposed to come on my show on Tuesday, and he actually canceled two minutes before because of his weight cut. Look, you guys got to understand he's six four with an eighty inch reach, fighting at seventies. The fact that he was willing to put his fight ahead of any other stuff like that's actually like like as a as the host of half the battle, I was disappointed because I wanted to talk to him. But as a gambling man. That makes me feel like, hey, he's, he's super focused on his fight. So it's all good, man. And at the betting window, um, I mean, I like this almost like pick em line with a slight lean on row a lot better than I like the minus 150 on row. So I'm considering a bet on row here. I think he comes out here and I think he starches Jason Witt at some point in this fight. Yeah, um, I think this is. I'm surprised. I was surprised at this line. Look, I got a lot of respect for Jason Witt. He's experienced. He trains at a good camp. Uh, he's been around for a while, and he and he can wrestle. But let's just let's just be honest here. You know, Brian Barberina is not the same guy that he was. You know, um, I feel like that's the reason why this line is as close as it is. I feel like Phil Rowe, maybe not one of the 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 top welterweight prospects but still a, a, a solid welterweight prospect with a, a lot of reach he that fight against Gabe Green I thought was very exciting I mean Gabe Green fought uh Daniel Rodriguez and didn't get knocked out you know um I mean ate all of his shots on very short notice and then he came back against Phil in a great fight man look it was back and forth Great calf kicks by um, Gabe Green and I'm excited for Gabe Green's next fight but Jason Witt is not that type of young uh you know physical specimen he's very slow he's very hittable his footwork is bad i mean this is just on the feet this is a wipeout matchup and then you know on the grappling side of things i think the length and the in the range and the you know that space that phil can create uh, can you know force with to shoot bad shots and phil will definitely snatch up a neck man if you give it to him and he's got a good ground game i see him doing all these um 
uh, jujitsu competitions, maybe not necessarily winning them, but still. But hold know, on. Still, but he's he's testing himself like exactly. it's like Gordon like, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Like he, Gordon Ryan. Exactly. <laughs> he, um, you know what I'm saying? He, He's been testing himself on the jujitsu circuit, so I think this kid is—he's training with Rodolfo Vieira and Jacare. So I know his jujitsu. I think he's got something for with there as well, man. So um, I think it all comes down to his cardio, how he does with the stall tactics of wit and and things like that. But I think that's a good problem to worry about. I think he knocks wit out in the first the first round. I mean, Simmelsberger knocked him out in 15 seconds. The first right hand. Um, I've seen him knocked Akashi. out on, on that on that where he's throwing the low kick and he gets countered with the straight punch. So, like, I, I see Jason went, you know, I, I'm glad he got that 50K for the Barbarina fight. It was a great fight. Um, props to them, too. But Barbarina, I mean, took a shit ton of damage in his early career. I mean, the Vicente Luque fight. I mean, the... Um, I remember a fight with Lepree was fight of the night back in the day. Um, the Warley Warley fight, yeah. I mean, he... Barbarina and now you know he, they got to match him up with guys like Darian Weeks now you know just so he can you know stay around but like I think that this is a whole different ball game like the fight I saw with Gabe Green and Phil Rowe like that was two young you know hungry prospects right there my boy uh Nate Williams says Phil Rowe all day shout out to Nate great job in the corner for Robert Hale our boy Robert got yet another dub this past uh, weekend now? 11 and 5 and, and when people say oh he's got five losses yeah like to hard good, fought decisions Ramazan, to russians Ramazan, like <laughs> kenny cross um troy laughs like, like Lamson, real dudes <laughs> um, and and he took him early in his career so some of those fights that they rematch you never know what sid might wheeler, happen sid wheeler's a guy that fought comes up by the way yeah exactly and they fought at like a 180 yeah, pound yeah. catch weight so yeah. you know rob's rob's got balls but now that he's taking the right fights i think we're pretty close to getting that that call here soon so good job nate um now next up in the 205 pound division we got a matchup between danilo marquez he's 11 and 3 he's taking on uh jayton almeida who is 14 and 2 and currently they got jayton oh jayton jr almeida He's around the four, the minus four hundred range. The best line I see on uh, Danilo Marquez is about plus three forty, and just based on principle, I understand why you'd be tempted to take the shot on Marquez. I mean, there's only literally two fights of footage available uh, for Jayton Almeida: one from nine years ago, and then the Contender Series fight. Now, to his credit, in the Contender Series fight, he went in there with a serious Russian. And he submitted him, which one doesn't simply do. And it wasn't, you know, there's Russians and then there's Russians. But, I mean, this dude that he fought was an undefeated Russian who looked pretty goddamn solid, man. Um, so the fact that he handled him the way he did, look, there were some openings where he'd you know, slide off the back, go to, you know, and then end up on his back. And certain guys will be able to, you know, maintain that top position, which is what I'm curious about if, if you know they get into some kind of scrambles if danilo can capitalize on some spots and maybe have some 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 success on his own i mean because we're dealing with a plus 300 number here now i do have experience betting danilo i bet him at plus 225 i think against mike rodriguez the thing we got to understand is the ground the ground game and just the the overall willingness to fight of mike rodriguez compared to jayton almeida mike rodriguez retired yeah is a coach now it, it, it's just night and day i mean jayton is a serious black belt mike rodriguez is a serious white belt uh jayton almeida's got the heart of a lion mike rodriguez would rather play video games so it's one of those things where even though we don't have any proof of what jayton you know besides that one fight um 
so for that reason, I mean, I understand, you know, you want to just test the waters plus 300 on Danilo. He's won a couple UFC fights. Plus he's good at jujitsu too. So, I mean, if Jaten just comes out here and submits him in the first round, that actually might be kind of a surprise. So there might be some moments. So I do view it as a dogger pass situation personally. I mean, I'll lean Jaten because I do think he's got some physical attributes and just on the flip side, you know, it's going to be hard for Danilo to implement his game on, on Jaten. So uh, yeah, the, the pick is Jaten, but uh, or Jaiton or whatever his name is, but I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't fault like a one unit or a half unit shot at plus 300 odds on Danilo Marquez in the spot, just as we don't have too much proof of what Almeida does. Yeah, I'm I got Almeida here, man. I think Danilo Marquez, like, he had a nice run to start off, but you know, he fought Cadiz Ibrahimov, who's not UFC level. I mean, a guy who wings shots and gasses out instantly. Then he fought um, Mike Rodriguez, you know, what you just said, you know, just now. And, and you know, his fight against Kennedy. I mean, look, he can definitely has good single legs and can take the back. But what else? He doesn't have anything else. I feel like, you know, his stand-up is slow. He's very hittable. Um, I mean, the, the, the finish against Kennedy, like, I don't want to say it was an alarming, but, I mean, he wasn't even out yet, and I mean, he just completely gassed himself out with the grappling. I think that's his only avenue, and I think that's going to get get canceled out here. I think uh, this guy, Jalton Almeida, fights with a different type of aggression, at least just from that one fight I've seen against the Russian. Um, and I mean, the way they're hyping that fight up, man, I think there's... I, this is like one of the contender series guys, I feel like... Uh, what's the Australian kid's name? Jack uh, Dayla. Jack Dayla. Like, that kid and this guy, like, the way they're promoting them, the way they're hyping their fight up um, on the YouTube and all these things like that. I think they're trying to push these guys. Now, I know all, not all of them works, but you can see the proof in the pudding with those guys, like the, the kid that fought Jamie Pickett or um, uh, the kid that fought Algio or things like that. You know, like, I think like these, th like he just beat an undefeated Russian and blew through him right away. I'm not sure that's something Danilo Marquez could do. So I'm going to go with uh, Jalton Almeida to, to finish this guy by knockout. Oh, well, Danilo did beat an undefeated Russian uh, named Cadiz at the time. However, <laughs> however, <laughs> turned out Cadiz wasn't uh, the Russian we thought he all was. But uh, you know, listen, man, not everyone can not everyone can be the best. But yeah, I feel you. Next up in the women's bantamweight division, we got a matchup between the vet Alexis Davis, the former UFC title challenger. She's twenty and eleven, and she's taking on Ju Julia Stoliarenko, who is nine and five. And guys, it's not Julija, it's Julia. That second J is silent. Alexis is minus 240. The comeback on Julia is plus 200. I mean, listen, Alexis Davis should come out here and have a veteran-type performance. I mean, what we know about Julia is, look, she's tough. She's known, she's got an affinity for the armbar off her back, and that does happen a lot in women's MMA. I wouldn't be surprised. The reason I'm just, you know, I'm hesitant to lay a price like minus 240 on Davis. You know, I mean, she lost four out of her last five. She's going to be 38 her next birthday. She, I mean, so you never know. I mean, one day a 28-year-old like Julia could, could turn things around. But based off how they match up and based off the experience difference, I do have to go with Davis. I just think the price is kind of right. So I don't really see too much value there. But the pick is Davis. Um. Yeah, I mean... Julia, uh, Ju, how you say her name? Julia, uh, Julia, Julia. Um, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, she's tough. Um, fought some good competition too, and I like she's 
losing to uh, Scrubs or anything. I think this might be a, a, you know, a better fight for her. Possibly Davis is on the tail end. Um, like this is one of, you know, it's it's tough because she's not very good, but women's MMA, anything can happen, man. Um, and you do have a wide line. I feel like this is a dog or pass situation. Um, I don't think you could can lay that on Davis. Um, but she, Davis, yeah, you know, she is. She is the vet. She, um, she. I mean, her last fight, you know, that was a close fight against Kian Zad, who's, you know, top 10 or 11, 12, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree with her being favored, but I think it's a dog pass situation. I'm going to take Storley Yarenko in the upset. Okay, um, okay. You know, why not? Fluke armbar. Like <laughs> hey, it's happened many times. Yeah. Now, next up in the middleweight division we got a matchup between mark andre barrio he's 13 and 4 he's taking on chidi and who's 20 and 7 and currently they got mark andre barrio minus 125 the comeback on chidi and is plus 105 dude it's good to see chidi in the ufc man i mean chidi is a guy that's truly paid his dues. i mean we're talking about a guy in chidi who finished alan juban with a body kick we're talking about a guy in chidi who beat max griffin we're, we're talking about a guy um who who's been in there with a, with a bunch of tough guys throughout the years man and um it's funny i actually max bet chitty to beat melvin gillard uh, like maybe five years ago uh remember when melvin you know melvin used to be a 55er and then now he's fighting at like 85s and shit <laughs> you know he's like on an 18 fight uh the opposite of an unbeaten streak yeah melvin used to be a bad boy man hey uh nate i know you're watching this let's get let's get rob a, a fight with melvin gillard <laughs> look at another ufc vet under his belt you know what i'm saying that'll never hurt um and if jared if you're watching this he's fighting at 85s these days so if you want a piece of melvin you go ahead you know let your management know but look all, all, all bullshit aside man um chitty's paid his dues and, and and the thing that i've always noticed about chitty shack is that like Firstly, he's got the size. I mean, the guy's massive. He's Nigerian. He's tough. It's just sometimes, like, I want more from him. Sometimes, like, I feel like he could be even more violent in there. And then also on the mat, you know, he's actually worked his way to being a black belt in jujitsu at this point. But sometimes when I've seen him get taken down, he's not able to get back up. And sometimes I've seen him finished on the mat. Now, granted, he has been working you know, relentlessly to, to patch up that part of his game. But that's where there's been issues in the past. And then sometimes maybe there's a bit of a slower pace than you would like. The thing about this kid, Barrio, you know, it might not look the prettiest, but he can, I mean, if you want one UFC fighter on your side in a bar fight, Barrio's one of the, Barrio's one of my go-tos, man. I mean, when he gets dudes up against the fence, he puts his hand on their throat and then he starts going with those uppercuts. I mean, the dude gets nasty in there. He gets dirty in there. So if Chitty can't find his range, I mean, this could be a good spot for Barrio, um, but Man, I, I got to know. I, I want to know your opinion first. Because look, Chitty's definitely paid his dues. Barrios looking the best he's ever looked. I think it's the perfect time for these two to meet. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Chitty, this is a tough fight for Barrios. I mean, the, the last two, he definitely looked good, but you could definitely say that Abu and uh, Dolce aren't you know as technically anywhere as technically good as uh Inja Kawani and Inja Kawani's experience you know is not like a guy coming into his debut um you know that's got like five or six seven fights you know we're talking about a guy that's been on big promotions before Bellator so he should uh I don't think he should be as nervous in comparison but look Burial is definitely looking good um my only concern is is the out in space the out in space 
I mean, Chitty, man, he's got some serious feints, man. And if you uh, start biting on those feints, he, you know, it could it could turn ugly really quick. We're talking knees, elbows, uh, you know, serious uh, Muay Thai, man. I mean, and, and he can knock you out. And Barriott is very durable now. Don't get me wrong. But when he fought Christoph Jocko, there was a few things, you know, that he struggled with out in space. I mean, he, he, you know, he's not known for his technique. He's more of, like you said, a dirty boxer, getting the clinch and just be dirty and then be a bully. Um, he's going to have to do that. I think he's going to need to tie Chitty up instantly and start start working that and working that so um I, I think it's you know in the range accurately lined man i think that like look i think you can't go too crazy man i think that uh sometimes that slight chalk in spots like this i know barry has been doing his thing but dolce and and um abu like they swing sloppy wide hooks you know get tired down the stretch a little bit you know big muscular heavier heavier set guys you know barry you know he's he likes that type of stuff um but i feel like this is a completely different matchup i'm gonna take i'm gonna take chitty man i'm gonna take chitty to to i don't know maybe a tough decision but like i think i think that it could be a good dog spot but um it could go either way but i'm gonna take chitty to just be sharper you know on the outside frustrate him a little bit with that and and uh pick up a win i mean i could see it and it's been a long time coming for a guy like that plus he's the dog so i like that i'm a slightly lean burial man i think he's hitting his stride right now and i think that if he can really close that distance whether it's in the clinch whether it's getting on top of chitty i think that that's where he can kind of you know uh break away as the fight progresses it's just obviously at range and, and if chitty's on mentally and he's actually letting things go like i mean chitty's a guy like i already told you about how he beat alan juban and uh, who, who's the other guy i mentioned that uh that chitty max griffin oh yeah yeah max griffin alan juban and I forgot about this. He actually knocked out Andre Fialho in like 20 seconds. Yeah, Fialho is the guy that just fought Michelle Pereira, who is no slouch at all. So Chitty, I mean, when you talk about as experienced and as dues paid as it can get making your UFC debut, like this is not just any UFC debutant. So uh, I definitely think you all got to pay attention to him. I'm leaning Barrio, but I'm happy to be proven wrong here. All right. So before we talk about the next matchup between Hakeem Dawadu and Mike Trezano. Firstly, y'all do us a huge favor. Smash that like button. Hit the subscribe button. And do us a favor. Retweet our tweets. Let us know. Let people know that we're out here talking fights. But I got to give a big a big shout out to our sponsor, BetUS. So basically, guys, if you're looking for action on the fights, if you're looking for action on the fucking Super Bowl, which is coming up, which is the biggest betting event of any year, and just anything else that they offer. BetUS.com has been in the game for over 25 years. They offer you the best odds, more props, and live betting throughout the game. It's easy, safe, and secure, and it's your number one betting site, BetUS.com. Use the code BATTLE125 for the Super Bowl, for the fights, for whatever you want, and uh, get um, an 125% bonus on your first deposit. So guys, BetUS is the only is the only place to play. Click the link in the description so you can get to our page and then use the code battle125 for that 125% bonus on your first deposit. That's BetUS. I highly recommend you bet the Super Bowl and the fights coming up at BetUS and use our code battle125. Now Shaq, 
Next up in the featherweight division, we got uh, a striker's delight between Hakeem Dawadu. He's 12 and 2, taking on Mike Trezano, who is 9 and 1. And currently, they got Mean Hakeem minus 175. The comeback on Mike Trezano is plus 155. I'd say that Mike Trezano has more of, you know, he's a little bit longer. He's got more of the, you know, kind of touch you up a little bit, kind of point you up from range. You know, it's not really known for the knockout power, but he can rack up numbers. But Hakeem Dawadu, devastating calf kicks. I love his feints, um, and he can put up numbers, man. So what do you think? I mean, you think any guy's going to shoot a takedown first, or is it going to be, you know, that dick measuring contest? Let's see who the better striker is here. Yeah, this is a good fight. Uh, Daudui, he was on a nice little streak there. Manzvar snapped it, kind of different style matchup. So I don't want to say irrelevant, but, you know, it maybe his spirit's broken a little bit. Trezano, I've always liked Trezano. Um, I, I know that last fight was a little controversial with um, with uh, uh, Klein, but um, I think that Trezano's very talented, man. I think he's a good point fighter like a lot of those uh, Tiger Showman guys, and I think that, um, look, I think it, Hakeem's the more powerful guy, the guy that when he lands his hands, it's going to be, you know, you know, very hard and powerful. And he's fought very good guys, even dating back to when he was back in World Series. But Trezano is the type of guy, man, where you you keep playing around with him in that point fight in battle, man. And, and he I'm telling you, he, he's going to he might win that split. And that's what he's known for, man. So, look, I think it is a dog or pass situation. I think Hakeem can take this fight. I think it could go either way. But if he's off a little bit, Trezano's very long. He, he kind of frustrates you because he waits. And, um, man, he kind of he kind of reminded me a, a lot of, like, an old Sean Strickland a little bit. Like, he jabs. He, he doesn't really, like... Uh, engage too too much so like it's tough to fight him um but you know i still think that hakeem man is at a top you know 15 to 20 level man i think this guy's very powerful i think he's a you know a very tough guy look at his fight against zuba down there in abu dhabi i mean he's talking to him um so look i'm gonna take hakeem to win a, a close decision but from a betting side of things i think it's a dog or pass situation like i would I don't know. Personally, I would rather see if Trezano could uh, could could weasel out a split. I mean, he's very good at it. Like uh, that's that would be the side I would be trying to to cash on. I feel where you're coming from. It's just like you know, if if you happen to consider the Trezano versus Klein fight, kind of like that weaseling out the split that you're referring to. I, I just think that Dewado is a lot tougher than Klein. I think Klein maybe has been a little bit of exposed, and Hakeem Dewado, like you were talking about, man. I mean. Look at the guys that, that he's been in there all, uh, with already. I mean, Movzar of Loya. To get whooped like he did those first two rounds and then still have the wherewithal to try to put it on him in that third when he's gassed to a point of no return is pretty damn impressive. I mean, you mentioned the Zubera fight. I bet on him in there. Beat Julio Arce, you know, prior to Julio Arce kind of getting his chin te uh, tested in subsequent fights. Um well, let's not talk. Let's not talk about my oh, boy. Did, did you hear? Yeah, I heard about you heard about that. Yeah. Let's, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's been doing his thing, man. And then Trezano, obviously, the point fighting style, the length. I, I like what I see from him, too. I, I just think that the more impactful shots are going to be landed by Dawadu. And I would not be surprised that despite um, despite Trezano being the guy known for, you know, the more volume and this and that, the, the touch, the touch type of uh, punches versus the power ones. I could actually see um, Dewadu putting up some numbers on Trezano here. So 
give me Dewaru to to come out here and, and, and just kind of get the better of the exchanges, bruise him up a little bit, and win a comfortable decision. Now, next up in the uh in the Bantamweight division, we got the main event of the prelims. We got Miles Johns. He's 12 and 1. He's taking on John Castaneda, who is 18 and 5. And currently they got Miles Johns minus 185. The comeback on John Castaneda is plus 160. So Miles Johns has always been a guy that a lot of people expect big things from. I mean, you're talking about someone who on his regional scene was already going out there and beating guys like Adrian Yanez. Now, it might not the way he beat him might not be something that you enjoy watching as a fan, but I mean, at least he wasn't in there stupid trying to trade, you know, trying to trade hands with Yanez. He went to his path of least resistance and he got the job done. And it was over a five round period, too. So he's got five round experience. He's beat some other very tough guys like Levi Moles, who I truly suspect will be in the UFC at some point soon. And, um, I kind of, you know, had some issues with the Mario Bautista fight. Not even, not even just the KO. Prior to the KO, I saw a lot of he was biting on the feints a lot. It seemed like he was a lot of hesitant. He seems like he was very hesitant. It seemed like he showed him too much respect. That's the last time he fought a Mexican warrior. He's fighting another one this weekend, man. You think uh, John Castaneda can maybe turn up on him, make it that tough, gritty fight? Just, here's my issue, though. I just really do feel like, athletically speaking, speed wise that Miles Johns is that step ahead of John Castaneda. I think he pushes a higher pace, even though he needs to take breaks at times. He's a very muscular guy. It's just John Castaneda is kind of on his back foot a lot. And from time to time, and look, he's going to be in there with you the whole time. Like, John Castaneda isn't about to take a knee for nobody. It's just that I think he, athletically speaking, and I think he might be a step behind. So give me Miles Johns to come out here and win this decision. Yeah, it's a it's a good fight because John's, you know, he's really powerful, stocky, short cardio is definitely an issue a little bit um, as guys with that frame usually are. Um, Castaneda is kind of, you know, yeah, I agree. Like his, his weakness, I would say, would be the hesitancy thing. I, w- I think, uh, you know, will he will he throw enough? Because, you know, it's just technically speaking footwork feints movement i mean i think he's ahead of miles johns um uh it's just that is he gonna get aggressive enough you know dealing with the power that's coming back uh johns i feel like is is very meat and potatoes um i think like it's overhand right you know a jab um very hard all powerful it's just uh you know anderson dos santos is kind of a punching bag you know uh he did that he did have some calf kicks uh to yeah, the repertoire for sure you know i mean andre Ull put on a show against and uh anderson dos santos too like low caliber fighters um you know all he he was uh martin day you know um and then the uh, fight with Nat Tividad, you know, good, good performance. Definitely did his thing. Um, I, I definitely think this is a little step up um, from those two. Look, Eileen I Miles Johns, it's just, uh, you know, that Mario Bautista fight showed that if you mix it up on this guy with multiple, you know, just different attacks, knees, uh, kicks up the middle, he ducks it. You know, he's, he's got some obvious toes there. But let's see if Castaneda is aggressive enough. Let's see. I think that's his uh, his weakness. But at the same time, he is a big underdog. I mean, I definitely understand why someone would take the shot. He, I think he's got the, the skills to do it. He's experienced. He's fought tough guys. Um, but I just think Miles is – what I'm basically going to say is I think Miles is going to be trying harder. I think Miles is going to be given – given more more effort i think he's gonna get hit with some shots and, and you know struggle with the fatigue thing but i think he'll scrape it out 
Now, first up on the main card, we got a matchup between Julian and Juicy J. Arosa. He's 26 and 9, taking on Steven Ocho Peterson, who is 19 and 9. And currently, they got it. Julian Arosa minus 310. The comeback on Steven Peterson is plus 255. We've never seen Julian Arosa at this kind of chalk in a UFC fight. I do understand why, because. Listen, you know what's interesting about Steven Peterson? You watch him fight. I mean, the guy gets hit way too much. The guy's slow. He's a, he fights like a meathead. But then you actually hear him talk, and he's, like, super intelligent. So it's pretty interesting how that shit works. But a, a, as far as this matchup is concerned, man, I mean, Shaq, do you think the line is justified on it, Rosa, who at any point can, can be sparked? The thing is with him is if you don't spark him, he's actually quite skilled, man, and has actually come out here finish guys like Sean Woods and finish guys like Charles Air Jordan finish guys like Jamal Emmers. Like he's got a resume on him. It's just, he's very cocky. He fights with his hands down and anybody could put him out. Is this guy, Steven Peterson, does he have the speed required or the accuracy to come out here and, and touch this chin? Um, it's a good fight, man. arosa has been looking good. He's been doing his thing. Finish Jordan and, you know, Woodson, um, Took that L to Sung Woo, but he bounced back. He bounced back, man. Um, and I feel like, yeah, Peterson, look, he's a he's a he's a junkyard dog. He's a he's not good technically, but man, I kinda I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I, I don't agree with the line. I look, I, I think Juliana Rosa is has been doing this thing, but these are these are what every fight's different. You know, I feel like uh those fights that he won, Sean Woodson, he had nothing to lose. You know, uh when he fought uh Jordan, he was the underdog. Uh, when he fought um, he beat somebody else. Uh, Jamal Emers, Nate Landwehr. When he oh, fought, oh yeah, Nate, Nate Landwehr knocked him out. He was the underdog. There was no, there really wasn't that much pressure on him. You know, he he asked for this fight. You know, after beating all those guys, you could honestly could have probably got somebody better. Like, you know, uh, Stephen Peterson's like, look, I don't really. He's one of those guys where I don't even like watched like judge the tape on them just because you already like he's gonna make the fight tough. Like, he, he's a tough guy. He's gonna. He's gonna, it's not going to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, just a Rosa coming out here and finishing this guy in the first round. Like, Peterson ain't going out like that. I've been watching Peterson fight for a very long time on um, Legacy. Legacy, remember that Legacy show back in the day? So, yeah, like, Peterson has a lot of heart. He's a junkyard dog. If he's if he's healthy, if he's, you know, in training, like, if this becomes a brawl and they're just going back and forth, smacking each other and one of four ounce gloves and, and one of these punches gets through. I mean, I know you remember what happened to Martin Bravo uh, down there in Mexico. Like, I mean, Martin Bravo was on the canvas unconscious. So, I mean, yes, Steven Peterson can knock people out. Um, I've seen him knock out a lot of people in the, in, in legacy, man. So, um, I think it's a dog or pass situation. 100%. I mean, look, Arosa, I have a feeling this fight is very uh, emotionally charged, man. Or Peterson, you know, is, you know, playing good games with them. Like, Arosa was messaging. I hear he was messaging uh, Peterson and all these things. Kinda, I don't know. It's kind of a little fishy to me. Like, why would you beat Jordan? I, isn't Jordan ranked ahead of Peterson? Like, or uh, I'm sure he is. And fucking and Sean Wilson. Woodson and and Landwehr. Hey. Like, I would. <laughs> I was thinking I'd be. I'd, I would be thinking trying to go higher, but he he kind of fell down, you know, a little bit. I was like, that's kind of weird. I, I think he just wants to get that win streak. Make sure that he gets to his next UFC contract off a of dub. Oh, okay, and, you know, okay. you know. Well, he's being smart. 
Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I'm, I'll, yeah, but I'll pick a roast. I'm a, I'm a big fan. The juice is loose, man. I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> of, I'm a fan of uh, Julian, man. But um, you know, I'm just, I'm interested on the, on that angle I was just referring to. But like, like Julian's been doing his thing, man. Very good. Like what he did to Woodson, going to the body and breaking him, and then choking him out. Them those chokes he got was very impressive. Let me say this: there's like a fundamental difference. So on one hand, you and I can agree that guys like Woodson, guys like Charles Jordan. They're going to project to go further than Steven Peterson. Yeah, no, no questions asked. But Steven Peterson, the big, the other fundamental difference is he's not a green prospect like Woodson and like Jordan, who are still, you know, ironing out the details in their game. Steven Peterson is a finished product. So there's not going to be some green mistake he makes here. It's more so he gets hit way too fucking much. And Julian Arosa, he's gonna, he's got the height, he's got the reach, he's got the volume. So Steven's gonna be getting cracked a lot. It's just about when Steven lands his shot. Julian's been, Julian's been dropped every fight, every single fight. It's just the, the what I notice is if you let him off the hook, he comes back and he wins the fight. I mean, he, Woodson dropped him, let him off the hook, ended up getting finished. Nate Landward dropped him, let him off the hook ended up getting finished. Charles Jordan dropped him, let him off the hook, ended up getting finished. So if Steven comes out here and drops him, I, based off his vet experience, I do think that he's got actually the, the seasoning to come out here and seal the deal because that's what you got to do. You cannot let a guy like Arosa back into the fight. So while on paper, I do think that at times it will be target practice for Julian Arosa. I'm just worried about what happens uh, on the receiving end. And, that said, I mean, my pick is a Rosa, but at the betting window, th- this is a dogger pass situation. Real quick, um, speaking of Peterson, his last fight, bro, Chase Hooper, man. That, that does you saw not, who he's fighting, that right? That doesn't need to be in the UFC, dude. He's fighting Felipe like, Colares. I, I had to say something about that. Yeah, I know. And he's he, what, he's going to lose. He's going to beat a guy from Team Nogueira, a black belt from Team Nogueira. Like, uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on here? Like. They got to end that soon. Like, I think, you know, we they tried the whole cute Afro thing, but, like, man, like, that was not a good look for the UFC. In my but, <laughs> the thing you got to understand, even though we both agree Kolarish is going to win that fight, it's like, how much lower can you go on the totem pole? Like, Domingo Pilarte is probably out the UFC by now. Yeah, like, Journey Newsom. It, it's like... It just shows the level at the UFC that like Felipe Kolarish might be at the bottom end, but the dude's still a stud, this right? Is a, this is a, they're like Felipe, you know. Thanks for fighting Montel and Chris, you know Gutierrez. You know, give you a, <laughs> give you Chase. I've never seen anyone as durable as Felipe Kolarish. Yeah, like holy this is an shit! Easy fight for Felipe. <laughs> you know, he should be like minus one seventy here. Break, let's go break him. Uh, all right. So next up. In the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Brian Battle. He's six and one. He's welcoming newcomer Treshawn Gore, who is three and zero to the UFC. And currently, they got Treshawn Gore minus one fifty five. The comeback on Brian Battle is plus one thirty five. So Shaq and I actually had the honor to uh, call Treshawn Gore's pro debut and his second ever pro fight. So we've been knowing about this guy for a long time. Now, Shaq and I talk often about the prospects on our regional scene, who we think are going to go the farthest, who, you know, uh, like you guys have heard me talk about the Robert Hales, the Nathan Williams, the Jared Goodens, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Shaq was always telling me like, dude, like this kid, Trey Sean caught my attention. Like you were telling me that he's the guy you think has the most potential. So go ahead, man. What do you think about this debut matchup? Yeah, man. I mean, 
kid's a good striker, man. I mean, he throws big bombs. He uh, got good kicks. His timing is on point. I mean, his wrestling defense is on point. So, yeah, that's why I said those things. Uh, I mean, I just thought his striking was by far, you know, a lot better than a, a lot of guys around. But, um, you know, this fight with Brian Battle, you know, he's coming off the ACL surgery. But, you know, I'm their gym, um, you know, Doug, you know, he's trained by uh, Douglas Lima and uh, Diego. But I, I know he got, like, some top-notch doctors to uh, to handle that. Same people that did uh, Cody Durden. Yeah, same so, people that worked yeah. with Cody. So, uh, And he came back and won. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, people on his team, you know, have uh, come back from these type of things before. And I think Treshawn can as well. Look, Brian Battle is a very tough guy, man. I watched a couple of his fights. I mean, he's durable, man. He... Uh, He's very tough, man, and he imposes his will on uh, on guys. Um, definitely not the fastest, definitely not the sharpest, but you know he's tough and and he'll and he'll he'll be in there, man. So Treshawn's got to be ready for a fifteen minute grueling type of fight, you know, something that um, you know he, he you know Brian Brado does have more experience in, than him in that. So, but I think, man, Treshawn is striking and the way he sets his shots up and just this kid's mindset, man. Like I think that uh. Brian Battle is going to really feel these shots, man. I think that some of these shots he's not going to be able to just keep coming forward on and imposing as well. Treshawn, you know, kind of puts guys in their place. Uh, at least he has so far. Um, you know, we'll see here on, on Saturday night. But I, I'm going with Treshawn, man. Uh, you know, Treshawn is, a like I was mentioning before, just a, his mindset, I feel, is like what's up. I mean, I don't know if you, you guys ever listen to any of his interviews or, uh, you know, things like that. But, you know, this is this is... You know, sometimes you don't want to put like so much pressure, but this is really like, you know, life and death. Like this, this is really like, you know, something that uh, this kid is dedicated to. And he's been, I mean, we've been hearing things about him for, for years, man. So um, trains with good people. So, yeah, I'm taking him for the win. Brian Battle is a tough guy, though, man. He's going to he's probably going to be around here for 15 minutes. So he's going to have to keep his cardio up. Yeah, I mean, what what happens what happens in the gym stays in the gym. But some of the stories I've heard about what Treshawn's done to guys in the UFC or formerly in the UFC, like he's handle he's been handling dudes. And also, I know he's only three and zero, so as a result, he's you know it's considered a green fighter. But like if you go back to his amateurs, man, I mean, he was in there with he was having three round wars with Robert Hale and amateurs, man. Like so, he's in there with real guys this entire time. And by the way. I think my boy rob low-key won that fight you gotta you gotta watch it i thought rob got the second and third but that's a that was so long ago that we're talking about amateurs now you know yeah. alan iverson voice uh, <laughs> we're talking about practice no but um listen man i, I think that treshawn gore has got all the potential in the world it's just about the experience thing that, that's the only thing i'm worried about because brian battle like you said might not be the most athletic might not be the most physically imposing but guys like that they got to make up for it in other ways you know like a billy q for example and the way they do make up for it is by pushing that pace by being there for all 15 minutes by you know making their opponent gas up and then gas out and then they turn up on them so that's the kind of thing you'd be worried about that third round after treshawn is you know bullying the guy around then and oh and brian battle's still here in your face so th those are the kind of things to worry about but i, I do think that treshawn's got a little something for brian battle and i think that saturday night he's going to extend his his unbeaten streak and get his first ever UFC win. And, and I do think Brian battle will be back. Cause I mean, his last name battle, it, 
I mean, it speaks for itself. The dude is a warrior, and I got all I'm the respect for tough. Brian yeah. Battle. Like, I was actually, I was like, man, he's tough. It's gonna be a dog fight. Like he's gonna be, he's probably gonna get dropped and then yeah, get and then get back the up. Late rounds, you know, gonna be, it's gonna be tough. The first round, you know, Jason is gonna touch him. Um, it's just you know after that set eight minute, you know, mark is when okay. Brian Battle, you know, he's a dog. Yeah, it's just a third round, survive Trayshawn. <laughs> but these first two rounds, he's probably going to bully him around a little bit. So, yeah, the the, the pick is Trayshawn. All right. Now, uh, next up in the 205-pound division, we got a match between Sam Alvey. He's 33 and 16. He's taking on Brendan Allen, who's 17-5. And I hope you guys heard the first thing I said. 205-pound division, Okay. Currently, they got Brendan Allen minus 400 to come back on Sam Alvey's plus 325. So here's what I want to say. Look, yes, Brendan Allen is a better fighter and is going to project to go further than Sam Alvey right now. He's only 26 years old. He's a kid. He's paying his dues. And I think that, you know, he'll still be in the UFC two years from now doing his thing. It's just that there's some there's some factors here we got to consider. Um, Sam Alvey was getting ready for a fight at 185 pounds. That means that he was running his miles. He had his full camp. Brendan Allen literally is taking this fight off the couch. He was not planning on fighting anytime soon. Um, taking it on four day notice up a weight class at 205. Then you consider their styles. Brendan Allen is known for, you know, he's taking people down or pulling guard. Alvey, one thing about him, like he's actually pretty fucking hard to take down. And then on the feet, Allen definitely has more volume than Alvey, but Allen's been getting knocked out in two of his last three fights. One thing about Alvy, he's made a career of knocking people out. So the thing I'm the, the only reason I'm not like, oh, I gotta jump on this plus three twenty-five is because because on some of these Alvy fights, he'll literally just do nothing. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, Sam, can we just throw? And it'll be like one of those spots where it's like, if you watch his UFC debut versus Tom Watson, like literally does nothing the first two rounds then the third round almost goes out there and knocks him out and still loses the decision so that's the kind of shit i'm worried about with alvy it's like you can't rely on him to let his hands go but when he lets them go i mean dude's got a long list of knockouts and i think he can knock out brendan allen here i mean brendan allen out of shape off the couch up up 20 pounds like that does not sound like someone i want to back at minus 400 so i actually will go as far as saying that this is a dog or pass situation i lean brendan because i just think he's a better fighter but if i were to uh, bet aside it'd be a small half unit or one unit shot on alvy and hope that he can ko a guy that's out of shape in the wrong way class yeah man you know it's funny I, on the way over here i was listening to uh brennan's interview man that that did not uh that did not sound good he, he i mean look he's his youth and you know is gonna have to is gonna have to get him through this one uh because brennan's kind of you know he did stand up with Puna Haley in the pocket for, for, you know, three rounds and kickboxed him and, you know, threw kicks to the body. So I, I think the things to beat Sam Alvey are in his repertoire. It's just, you know, is he in shape? What if he overcommits in the wrestling and then, you know, gasses himself out? And Because I've seen Brennan flop to his back before. I've seen him you know, when he fought Fluffy Hernandez and LFA, you know, um, things didn't go so well. Um so yeah, I mean it, it's definitely in them, and you know I definitely think there's a little bit of a of a head case issue there too, man. I think he thinks a lot. Um, Sam Alvey, 
you know, man, it, it's interesting because Ryan, the Ryan Span fight, man, like that was actually a decent, a decent showing from him. You know, he rocked him in the third round, got started too late, and then let's not forget, I mean, Daun Jung couldn't beat him either. So, I mean, Daun Jung um, was struggling to pick up on his right hook. So, I mean, I would, yeah, I mean, look, Sam. I think Sam's a tough fight. It's just, is he going to win? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. What's his record in his life? Like one and six, one, one and. Uh, oh, six and one. Oh, six and one. You know, I mean, he doesn't, he's not getting results. Um, And he's had opportunities. Like he fought Klitz and Abreu and did nothing. He, uh, you know, was, uh, I mean, it's been several times where he could. The Julian Marquez fight was brutal, and it happens to have his best performance in a while versus Jung, who was yeah. like the best guy he fought in a while. It's yeah, interesting I mean, how I, that works. You know, I actually had bet down Jung. You know, I was screaming at him. I was like, "Come on, man!" Um, but you know, I'm gonna go with Brandon. I think it could be a dirty, you know, sloppy, sloppy fight. That, uh, but you know, I have seen Brandon get through those, like when he fought Kyle Dawkins and and um, you know, fights where he maybe you know, didn't have, have his best and he, and he kind of willed himself through. I just think so, some of these fights for Brennan, um, when I think when he has less to think about, that might actually be good for him. You know, the Chris Curtis fight, you, you could tell progressively that, okay, this whole Strickland Curtis like thing is getting to him and, you know, and he, he gets emotional at times, but I think, uh, I think he'll scrape it out. Now, before we talk about the featured bout between Shavkat Rachmanov and Carlson Harris, I mean, I know, I know you all are looking forward to that one. Do us a huge favor. Smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. And we got to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks, which is the daily fantasy sports partner for half the battle. So, guys, I've told you a hundred times that Prize Picks, what separates them from the pack is that it's not you versus thousands of stats nerds who, you know, they, these guys are crunching numbers, doing the whole bit. This is literally you versus prize picks. And sometimes their projections are so off that you have to take advantage with the with the Super Bowl coming up with UFC this weekend. You can combine sports and it doesn't have to be a, a lineup of six players. You can pick two to five two, three, four, five, whatever you want, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's not like a parlay where every single leg has to hit for you to win. I mean, you can go two out of three and cash out on prize picks. So I love it about that. And then, again, no mass multi-entry, no optimizers, no sharks, no bullshit. So uh, I know you guys hear me talk about taking that under on Mahomes. Uh, I hope you all listen because uh, – my boy, uh, <laughs> he was looking so good early, and uh, it didn't it didn't come out on top. So now, what are you thinking about Joe Burrow? What are you thinking about Matt Stafford? I mean, what are you thinking about this weekend between Strickland and Hermanson? Take advantage on Prize Picks, guys. Use my code Battle for an 100% deposit match up to $100 on Prize Picks. Download the app or go to PrizePicks.com. Use that code Battle. And guys, uh, let's cash out on prize picks because there's a lot of spots to take advantage of. So now we got to talk about this feature about between uh, Shavkat Rachmanov and Carlson Harris. Let me just address the chat a little bit. Got my boy Clint in the house. What's up, Clint? I hope you're doing well, buddy. Nate Williams predicting the Treshawn by KO. Um, Felder Zero says, Hablo Espanol, pero quiero aprender inglés. What she's saying is, she speaks Spanish, but she wants to learn English. Well, you're at the right spot, uh, Felder Zero. So we hope to help you out with that. And uh, 
let's get down to this featured bout, y'all. So smash that like button for us, and here we go. Next up in the welterweight division, we got the featured bout between the undefeated Shavkat Rachmanov. He's 14-0. He's taking on Goyanias Carlston Harris, who is 17-4. And, and currently, they got Shavkat Rachmanov, minus 230, the comeback on Carlston Harris. Depending where you look, I see a plus 200 on him. This is one of the best fights on the entire card. And I'm curious to see if it's going to be this back and forth fight or if one guy is actually going to come out here, dominate and make a statement. Because, I mean, Carlson Harris, when you talk about paying your dues, I mean, we were talking about with Chidi and Jaquani, like the kind of dues he paid outside the UFC. When you talk about a guy like Carlson Harris, I mean, outside the UFC, back, back over half a decade ago, he was already beating guys like Michelle Pereira. Back uh, over half a decade ago, he was already beating guys like Wellington Termont. So this guy's truly paid his dues, um, comes into the UFC and, you know, destroys Christina Aguilera or Christian Aguilera, destroys Impa Kasangane. Uh, let me say something really quick about Impa, who I respect a lot. And I actually watched him on the regional scene here. He fought in Atlanta against this guy named Tubbs. And I, I thought that he could be a good prospect. I even liked his two contender series fights. But you guys got to listen to Dana closely on these things. Dana said, listen, I think this kid Impa is talented. But the reason I don't want to sign him quite yet is because I, I think I think he might get hurt if we sign him now. And I don't want to see that. I want to see him get a little more experience because if he comes into the UFC now, he might get hurt. Well, he takes another contender series fight. So he goes two and on contender series. They have no choice but to sign him. And guess what happens? He does get hurt really badly in the UFC from Buckley, from Carlson Harris. And, and as a result, they had to release him. So when Dana said, because everyone was up in arms, it was an uproar when Dana didn't sign Impa the first time. And if you remember his exact words, he says, I, I just don't want to see this guy get hurt. I need to see him get more experience. So listen to Dana when, when he talks about those kind of things. But back to this matchup, man. I mean, we're dealing with the experience of a guy like Carlson Harris who's been through the ups and downs. Nasty body lock game from distance. He's very awkward. He's deceptively long. He's got some good power. His technique doesn't look exactly the most conventional but when he cracks uh, people tend to feel it and he's experienced in a way where i've seen him get rocked in fights know how to kind of circle on the outside regain his wits come back win the fight and then you start to shoot some sloppy takedowns on a guy like this his anaconda and dars uh choke series is truly on point so he's a well-rounded individual and He's fighting with the pride of a nation. I mean, Goyana, only fighter from Goyana in, in South America in the UFC. So, I mean, this guy, he's definitely coming in here. He's a hero where he's from. He's coming in here with a lot of pride. And on the other side, we got an undefeated Kazakhstani fighter. And you guys know that these guys have been emerging, whether it's the Demiris Magulovs, whether it's Sergey Morozov, now Shavkat Rekmanov. And he's also a guy who's beat some legit competition on his regional scene. I mean, to put it in perspective, when he was only 4-0, he was already fighting guys with uh, 17 pro fights who were 13-3. and you, you understand what I'm saying? He beat Jong Young Park, who's been doing his thing in the UFC. Um, and this is all outside. And uh, Jong Young Park, the kid um, that... Uh, the Iron Turtle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know he beat Ray Cooper? Yeah, he did. He, uh, so, Shafkat's been doing his thing outside the UFC, man. Um, he's very tall for the weight class, 6'1", with a 77-inch reach. Um, his hands are on point. I like his chin, too. I know I saw him get dropped in one of those regional fights, but he can recover. And the shots he ate in the UFC have been pretty hard ones. He's been 
and he still walks forward. He's like a Terminator. He's very well-rounded, one-hitter quitter, and then his submission series are on point. Man, that guillotine choke, that rear naked choke, I mean, only man in UFC history to finish Michelle Prezerich. And what you got to understand about that is Michelle Prezerich was a guy who, I mean, fucking Merbeck Tysumov couldn't finish him. Paulo Tiago back in the day. I know now that's not a big deal, but back in the day, I mean, Paulo Tiago knocked out Josh Koscheck. Kevin Lee couldn't finish him back in the day. Like, Gil- he beat Gilbert Burns. Like, like these are like, like you understand what I'm saying. But Shafkat goes out there and not just beats him, but taps him out, taps out a serious black belt. So I think Shafkat's the real deal. But I, I, I got to know, Shaq, is it first L time here? Because Carlson is the kind of vet to come out here and hand an undefeated prospect the first L. Or is Shafkat that next truly blue chip prospect where we can see him, you know, fast track to to the top 10 to a title? Yeah, I mean, look, Carlson Harrison, Carlson Harris, you finished, you know, two guys in the first round like you did. I mean, you, you know, that's making a statement. Shavkat as well. But Carlson, you know, he's got those long arms, like you said, the anaconda chokes. And um, he just seems like a, a, a gamer, man. I think this is going to be a different fight, though. I think, you know, he was able to overwhelm those guys with the range and his, you know, his length and, and uh, just his. He's just way better than those guys, in my opinion. Like, you know, I feel like Impa Kasanga and I, you know, has has some work to do. You know, I feel like um, Kristen, Kristen Aguilera, you know, is probably on the local scene somewhere. So, you know, I think this is a big step up. And Shavkat, man, I just feel like I don't go against them Kazakhstanis too often, man. Um, <laughs> if, if he's got a dead animal on his head, just, don't bet against him. It's just, you know, I just don't think that's a good recipe i mean look you might get lucky once or twice but i mean tell me one of them that's lost like the only one i'll say is moroz off to umar nurmagomedov well, which is like, like that's they, a khabib, a khabib yeah exactly version. like but like Mazvar represents that country as well um he's from ingushetia like dude these dude he's undefeated marazov demir i mean shavkat um and there's a lot more guys coming too so um we'll see but yeah like i think shafkat what i where i see this fight getting separated is is just when it gets extended i th- I see signs that carlston harrison might gas in the late rounds he moves around a lot he bounces around a lot in the early rounds and if shafkat's still you know there you know past the first round I, I do see a guy that's huffing and puffing towards the end of the first round i see a mouth open i see and I, and I hear him breathing, and I, I don't see that with Shavka. I think in the second and third round, he can separate himself just by being well-rounded and doing the typical Kazakhstani Russian thing, kick out, kickbox him, work him in the clinch, wrestle him if possible. He's just got to be careful in that first round. This guy is, is kind of hell on wheels in that first round, um, Carlson Harris. So you got to be you got to be careful. But I think Shavka gets through that, and I think he he you know just outworks him down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, Carlston is very awkward. I mean, the punches, like if you go to a boxing gym and you show those punches, they might start laughing. But with those four-ounce gloves, the kind of angles they're coming from, I mean, he clips you right behind the ear. He clips you on the temple. That equilibrium starts to go. It doesn't matter who you are. And I have seen Shafkat dropped in the past. Now, granted, he's got an iron jaw. He can recover. And he's tough as nails, more importantly, man. This guy, I think he's truly one of the guys that's, you know, we were talking about guys that are willing to – fight to the bitter end i think shafkat is that guy and eventually you know that first l will come i'm just not convinced carlson is the guy to hand it to him and i think carlson 
He's got all my respect. I think he's got a very bright future in the UFC. I just kind of view it as like he's running into a bit of a buzz, of a buzzsaw right now, and there's not this one specific area where I think Carlson has this big edge. Like, I, if Carlson comes out here and Dars or Anaconda's uh, Shafkat, I'd be very surprised. I, I think his best path to victory is probably trying to catch him. I don't see him winning a three-round grind. I think the longer the fight goes, the more it does favor Shafkat. And to Carlson's uh, – to his credit, he's so goddamn seasoned and experienced that in that fight with Christian Aguilera, he actually got rocked with an uppercut, and you saw the kind of composure he had in there, and then to be able to come back and then put it on him, like, he's got all my respect, but I, I just think right now, Shavkat, he's got the physical tools, he's got, he's well-rounded, he's got the confidence. Um, at, you know, uh, Christian Aguilera had to fight Brady and Carlson was out the door and damn that's tough. You know, they could have given him to Jared. <laughs> like, like give him one more. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's a brutal game, my a man. Brutal sport. Brutal sport. But yeah, the pick is Shafkat, but all, all respect to Carlson. I, I enjoy watching him fight too. So, co main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We got a matchup between Puna Haley, Soriano. He's 8 and 1. He's taking on Nick Maximov, who is 7 and 0. Currently, they got Puna Haley Soriano minus 185. The comeback on Nick Maximov is plus 160. I like this fight a lot. Everybody do us a favor. Smash that like button. Hit the subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. So as far as this co-main event is concerned, Puna Haley Soriano, I've often referred to him as Hawaiian Vitor. Comes from that southpaw stance. Just devastating knockout power. He's Hawaiian Vitor, and his teammate Brad Tavares is Hawaiian Bisming, more of a of a touch type style. Now, Nick Maximov, what I like about him is the kid's got balls, man. I mean, this kid Maximov goes in there on contender series. He weighs 209 pounds. I know he's Diaz boy. So 209, ha ha coincidence. I think not, but no, but all, all bullshit aside, my boy goes in there weighing 209 pounds. Let me tell you what his, what his uh, opponent weighed in that fight real quick. This is, this is kind of like an important detail. So, Nick goes in there 209. His opponent goes in there 263 pounds. So right away, you see what kind of balls this kid has. Right away, you see what kind of man he is. I mean, Nick Maximov is a very tough individual, and his grappling is on point. This guy's relentless, um, not just in necessarily jujitsu, but in wrestling, too. He can get these takedowns, and from there, that's when he shows off that nice jujitsu, takes the back, chokes people out, and he's relentless. He can he can keep shooting over and over into the third round. So I, I think he's got a very bright future. My my only issue here is that I kind of think that Puno Haley Soriano has been tested against much tougher level competition. Like he like uh, Puno was already fighting a guy like Jamie Pickett when Puno was five and zero. I kind of want to see. Maximov in there with like a Jamie Pickett fight right now. Whereas since that time, Puna's already gone on to fight, you know, a Dusko Todorovic, a Brendan Allen. Like these guys are kind of further ahead of where Nick Maximov is. And while I respect Nick Maximov a lot, I think he's got a bright future. I also think that uh, Puna Haley Soriano is, is he D2 or D3 uh, wrestler? Bottom line, he's got an all American plaque on his wall that says that Nick Maximov can't take him down. So I got to go with Puna Haley Soriano here. Everyone only, only talks about how this guy's this one-hitter-quitter knockout artist, which is a great quality to have, and he is a knockout artist, but let's not forget he's an All-American wrestler too. And as a result, um, I think that he can stuff these takedowns, and I think that he's going to come out here and uh, beat 
Nick Maximov. I think Maximov will be back 100%. It's just co-main event in your second fight against a more experienced guy. The more experienced guy only has two more fights than him. It's just the level of competition he's fought is far beyond that. So give me Puna Haley Soriano to show off that all-American plaque on his wall, stuff these takedowns, and from there, land the big shots that will either you know, do the more damage or potentially get that finish. Puna Haley Soriano is my pick. Yeah, uh, Puna, I think it was just first L time that last fight. But look, yeah, he's he cardio's a little bit of an issue. But just because he's so explosive and he throws everything into that left hand, I think he just needs to, you know, learn, learn, take some of it off and, you know, focus on 15 minutes. Um, Maximov, a young kid, you know, I'm impressed with his grappling for sure. Um, I'm not impressed with his striking, though, like. You know, at all, I think he. I'm sure he's working on that. I'm sure he'll be a little better for this fight, but I think Puna's somewhat considerably ahead of him in that department. And I think that Puna can wrestle. The only thing I'll say is in that Pihota fight in some of those uh, scrambles. I mean, you know, there's a there's a chance Puna could pull a meathead mistake. You know, he kind of you can see he's not really trying to get out of those things with technique. He's just trying to, you know, muscle his way out of there. You, you make a mistake and, you know, arm bar. I mean, this guy is a Diaz guy. Um, who knows what he's, but, got. but he's not a Chris Avila Diaz guy. No, no, he's actually good. Um, or the kid that, uh, Semmelsberger knocked out. He's not one of them. <laughs> man, I forgot about that. What Martin, was Martin Santa. Yeah, man. Semmelsberger killed that guy. But this is the but, one good uh, Diaz training partner. Yeah. Yeah, so like, um, yeah, I think that Punaheli is more experienced, and um, even though it's only a couple more fights, I just, you know, just the that level. Um, in the Dusko Todorovic beat Michelle Pereira and a few other guys, like you know, that was a big fight. Um, but I think that he can have another one of those type of performances. I think he, if he comes out here, stuffs a couple of early takedowns, and puts the pressure on Maximov and makes him exchange, I think he can knock him out. Um, Brendan Allen came in with a very good game plan. He switched it up. You know, that everyone thought Brendan Allen was going to come in with the takedowns, but he just you know decided to fight for 15 minutes, make Puna swing. Haymakers and point them up. So I don't think Nick Maximov is capable of that just yet. I'm going with Sor- Soriano by KO. Main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We got the number five ranked middleweight, Jack Hermanson. He's 22 and six, taking on the number six ranked middleweight, Sean Strickland, who is 24 and three. And currently they got Sean Strickland minus 205. The comeback on Jack the Joker Hermanson is plus 175. Shaq, this is a hell of a main event. I mean, listen, Jack Hermanson, he gets on top of these guys. He's got some of the most devastating ground and pound in the middleweight division. His guillotine point is on point. I mean, he almost got Jack Array with that guillotine. And um, he's been paying his dues. He's as experienced as they get. And Strickland, man, he's reached a new level since he moved up to 85. I mean, because it's funny, because like when we used to talk about Strickland at 70s, firstly, goddamn, was he skinny at 70? It, w- it looked uncomfortable how much weight he was cutting at 70s. But we always used to talk about how like Strickland, like it almost seemed like he was kind of like lackadaisical in fights at times, like not really putting much effort into his jab, just kind of touch, touch. But ever since he moved up to 85, now dudes are really feeling these shots. It's not just about getting peppered anymore. Now guys are starting to get dropped, starting to get finished. Uh, I mean, I, I know he finished Nordy and Tadlev back in the day, but I'm saying for the majority at 70s, like it was mostly touch, touch. Whereas here, like I'm seeing a lot. Was I'm, his last fight when Elizu sparked him? Um, at 70s, yeah. you mean? I think he beat Nordy and Tadlev after that. Um, 
Yeah, so Nordin Taleb was his last fight. Then he had the motorcycle accident, took two years off, and then he came back. And now, like, he's been putting it on these guys. And one narrative I've been hearing is that not too many people have attempted ta uh, takedowns on Strickland since he moved up to 85s. Therefore, you know, Hermanson might have an edge or something. Whereas, like, I kind of zoom out and watch his entire career. And I mean, the guy can grapple like Sean, Sean Strickland can grapple, even though at middleweight, it's mostly been him landing the takedowns. He even landed three takedowns in one round against Uriah Hall. I mean, he even hit a takedown on Brendan Allen, right? So he's the one that's been hitting the takedowns, dictating the pace. But just because these guys haven't been attempting to take him down, and I know Jack will, like that doesn't automatically mean that Jack's just going to take him down. Like Sean Strickland, firstly, where he trains, their wrestling program is on point. You see the improvements these guys are making in their wrestling. So I don't just automatically believe that because these guys try to strike with him that all of a sudden he can't stuff a takedown. I watched his entire career. The guy can grapple. So... I mean, I think it's the same story as it always is with Jack. You know, on the feet, he's got that herky-jerky movement. Um, and if you're, you know, kind of on the slower side, like, you know, Talis latest towards the end of his career, I mean, he's going to memorize, he's going to mesmerize you with that. I just don't think that that style of striking is going to really present too many problems to Strickland. It's just what he's got to worry about. What he's got to be worried about is if Jack is able to, you know, get a full mount or something like that because it doesn't matter how good your grappling is. I mean, Jack Hermanson on top of you, that's that's where he wins fights. But Jack doesn't really like getting hit. Not that anybody likes getting hit, but, for example, you hit Sean Strickland, he's going to start talking to you, asking you if that's all you got. He gets competitive, whereas Jack is more so start to back up, start to shell up a little bit. So I do think on the feet that as the fight progresses, look, I think early Jack's going to be landing some kicks, doing some things, but I think as the fight starts to play out, that's where Strickland's going to start to kind of take over. Maybe he gets taken down once or twice. I think he gets back up. I wouldn't be surprised if he took Jack down, man. I think Strickland, I know he's got the wild-ass personality, but don't sleep on his fighting abilities, man. So as much as I respect Jack, Jack's made us a lot of money and will always be a fan of Jack. Uh, I got to go with Strickland here to kind of just put it on Jack, push that pace, prevent Jack from getting in the spots he wants to be in, and light him up. So Sean Strickland, I, I'm going to say either late finish, late TKO, or, or unanimous decision. Yeah, I mean, I got Strickland in this one as well, man. I think Jack is a great fighter, but I think, uh, you know, it's kind of for a little while now, you could say it's a clear blueprint on how to beat him is come out here, pressure him, and touch him with the hands. Um, uh, Jared Cannonier, Marvin Vittori, um, who else? Um, there's one more. Um, is that it? Um, but yeah, you know, I think uh, Tiago Santos back in the day, look, his grappling is definitely a lot to deal with. But I I just watched uh, Sean Strickland versus Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall, you know, actually, you know, surprisingly in the past has had very underrated jujitsu and an underrated ground game. And I mean, he, he, I know it's not a no Jack Hermanson for sure, but I mean, look. I was impressed, man. I'm I'm impressed with the way this guy's taking the center and he ain't and he ain't taking no back steps. I mean he, he's coming forward. That's like how you that's like the key to beating Jack is no back steps. And you know, Jack's gonna be in there and he's gonna be Jack's got good hands. It's just the the taking punches part is the 
is the uh, problem. You know, when Marvin cracked him and, and hurt him in that first round, there was plenty of openings to get back into the fight. It was just, you know, he kept shelling up. Just, you know, Marvin, Marvin, Marvin's a blockhead, man. Marvin don't care about taking none of those punches, and Jack does. That's just the difference. I think it's an aggression. Uh, um, you know, once the fight hits that fatigue state and, and guys are bloody and there's swollen eyes, I, I see Strickland just keep going, keep going. Um, I was very impressed with the 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 Uriah Hall fight, man. I think Uriah Hall is kind of one of these guys where that's like a good test um, to see where you're going to be in the middleweight division, man. Um, my, Andre Muniz is actually fighting them uh, coming up here. So, you know, I think... Uh, that submission defense will be put to the <laughs> yeah, test. Yeah, we're going to see... Uh, man, don't gas, don't, don't gas, Andre. <laughs> yeah. But I think that uh, Strickland, Strickland is a has the tools to beat this guy and he, he kind of has all the skills you need forward steps, no back steps, good wrestler, good jujitsu, um, good cardio. I mean, I think he's under, he's what 17 and oh at middleweight. I think this is, this is one of these cases of these guys moving up, you know, his last fight at seventies was uh Nordine, you said, but you know, he kind of messed up against Elias who got KO'd stiff in Brazil lost to Usman. I mean, these are no slouches either. Who was his first and Santiago back when Santiago was, uh, you know, a high level fighter, man. And he was young in those fights. So I think the, the proof in the building has kind of always been there. I mean, this guy has always been a highly touted prospect when he came in, he kind of, uh, you know, this break, I mean, I guess he wanted to be his, uh, his real self and no filter. So, Hey, props to Strickland. I think there's a blueprint on how to beat Jack Hermanson. I don't think there hasn't been a blueprint on how to beat Sean Strickland at 185. So I'm going with Strickland. So before uh, we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, everybody do us a huge favor. Smash that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Share. Do everything. Let's get the word out about half the battle, y'all. So Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 47? Um. The fight to watch for me is going to be, man, there's a, there's a few good ones on this one. Um, I'm going to say it's, I'm going to say Shavkat and Carlston, man. I mean, look, that's the the big fight, the big fight of the night, in my opinion, outside of the uh, main event. And I think um, whoever wins this fight has got to be, you know, right up there to get a top 2015 style type of matchup next. I mean, if Shafkat wins this fight, I'm thinking go ahead and throw him right to the top 15, to be honest. Um, he was already scheduled to fight Elizu at one point. So I think uh, that's the fight to watch. If Carlston Harris gets this win, I mean, you finish Shafkat, dude. Like, now you just... Like he he's gonna be a star on Monday if he finishes Shavkat. Like, <laughs> like and so that's my fight to watch. There's gonna be a parade in Goyana yeah, if he yo, goes man, out there. About to be going crazy out there if he knocks Shavkat. <laughs> my uh, fight to watch is Mark Andre Barrio versus Chidi Anjouani. Man, I mean, again, Chidi Anjouani is coming into the UFC with 27 pro fights under his belt. Like this is not just some random guy making his debut off contender series. And Mark Andre Barrio. Seems like he truly turned a corner these last three fights, and I think they're meeting at the perfect moment, and the winner is going to take a step up towards the top 20, the top 15, and start to get some real tests. And not to mention, this fight should be very, very explosive and violent while it lasts. So my fight to watch is Mark andre Barrio versus Chidi and Jikawani. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Vegas 47? Um, my fighter to watch is going to be, uh, man, it's a surprising one. I just want to see how this person performs tomorrow. 
And that's the juice, Julian Arosa, man. You know, if you would have told me a couple of years ago that Julian Arosa would be in this spot that he is in currently, I would have told you you were crazy. You mean minus 300 <laughs> in a UFC fight? <laughs> that and just he's won, what, four of his last five? Um, I mean, at one point, man, Juicy J was a, a, a dead man walking. I mean, he couldn't take a punch. He, I mean, he was getting knocked out by Teruto Ishihara. Um, you know, it's funny. Conor McGregor said he was a phenomenal fighter on the tough show. He was like, he was raving about Juicy J. Um, he plays that game well. <laughs> he plays that game well. Um, and, you know, Artem ended up knocking him out. But, uh, you know, Julian, man, He's an exciting fighter. You know, he's, he brings it every time. I'm interested to see how he performs at this number. You know, I, like I said in the past, I feel like in his past fights, the pressure wasn't on him, but now I feel like it is. So let, let's see how he performs Saturday. My fighter to watch is Phil Rowe, man. I, I think that off the bat, when you come into the UFC and you already have the longest reach in the weight class, you're the tallest man in the weight class. And when he lets his limbs go, man, I mean, it's violent. It's dangerous. Like that straight right hand that he hit Kosei with, I mean, the dude saw God. And then also, man, he's been doing these grappling tournaments against real guy, Gordon Ryan, and, and I think Gabriel Checo. Like, uh, so he's been, boy, Rashad beat that guy. Yeah, but Rashad had to swim through some leg lock attempts, whereas if, the, if it wasn't MMA, you never know what would have happened, man. So Rashad's going to fight again. Yeah, hey, shout out to my boy Rashad getting back on track. Yeah, Hall of Famer, you know, I saw him fight in Atlanta versus John Jones back in the day. So the open workouts were at my were at my school. Like so, like we met like Miguel Torres and John Jones and Rashad Evans at Georgia State. It was pretty fucking cool. Uh, Michael McDonald was there Mayday. and shit. Mayday when he knocked out Miguel. You're yeah, tired, yeah, because he breaks his hand every fucking fight. Time, Miguel Torres was actually way cooler than Michael McDonald, but uh, that's. Oh, Michael McDonald's like a religious guy. Dude, he was a dick. <laughs> he's, 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 he's super religious. I remember one of the kids was like, Michael, can you sign this? And he was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like Rashad and Jones were like signing everything. Anyways, Phil Rose, my fighter to watch, man. Like, I think that this guy can make an impact just off the physical alone. But if you hear him talk and you watch him fight, I mean, the fact that like you see what he's doing with his hands, his elbows, and his knees in these fights. But then he talks about how, dude, my jujitsu is even better than my stand-up. And you saw one of those sweeps he hit in his UFC debut. Just had to address a couple things. Look, he's green. He's yeah, He hasn't had 10 wins yet, you know? So once he starts to put things together, I think he's someone to look out for. And Jason Witt, I mean, we know what we got to do to beat this guy. I mean, the way to beat this guy is not hug him against the fence. The way to beat this guy is not, you know, try to stall and point. The way to beat this guy is to knock him into the 10th row. And I think that's exactly what Phil Rowe is going to do. So for that reason, Phil Rowe is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, live at the Apex. They can follow you on Twitter at MMAGenius05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available, we'll be back next week for the next card. I believe uh, we're back on a, a pay-per-view uh, next week. Uh, Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker in the USA. Neutral territory. So in Houston, let's see if it's a close fight with these judges. Think about it. You know, te hashtag Texas judge, hashtag 3026 Bosch. So I I'm excited about that. Um, everybody smash that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Share, like, comment. Uh, retweet, do everything, like let people know we're here. And then also shout out to our sponsors, BetUS. You guys need that sports book for the Super Bowl or for the fights. BetUS, use the code BATTLE125. 
for an 125% bonus on your first deposit. And if you need a daily fantasy sports outlet, check out PrizePix and use the code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100. We truly appreciate it, guys. We'll be back next week. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.